welcome to your most visionary life. On this weekly podcast, I sit down with visionary humans and ask them the one question that you probably want to know the answer to. How did they create, launch, and scale up the business of their dreams? My name is Kelsey Rydell, and I am the founder of Visionary Life and The Visionary Method. The intention behind all of our content is simple, and that is to plug you into the people, inspiration, and information that will help you create your own most visionary life. As you begin to listen to the episodes, you'll discover one obvious and common thread, and that's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. This show is going to help you consciously create a life you love on your own terms. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Hi guys, welcome back. Today on the show, we have Juan Bandana, who is one of Canada's top youth speakers. Juan speaks at high schools, university campuses, and conferences internationally, and has spoken to thousands of students, educators, and parents across Canada and the United States. I actually stumbled upon Juan's Instagram account back in the winter, and I was deeply inspired by his message and by the content he was sharing. So I reached out randomly and invited him to be on the show. And I'm so glad I did because he is a wealth of knowledge and someone I really hope to stay connected to. He has a contagious energy and I'm sure you'll understand when you listen to the episode. So more on Juan in a bit, but first I wanted to give you a couple updates. So number one, I wanted to let you know that I'm reading some really epic books right now. And I know that you're always interested in the books that I'm reading and vice versa. I always want to know what's on your plate in terms of reading material as well. And so I'm actually reading two books right now that were inspired by podcasts that I listened to with the authors. And I almost feel like every sentence I say begins with, oh, I was listening to a podcast the other day. But anyways, I do love podcasts. And it is no secret. So the first book that I'm reading that I highly suggest, and I'm just getting started, so I can't give you the full synopsis, but it's called The Beautiful No by Sherry Salata. And this book is so cool because I am an Oprah fan, as I'm sure many of you are as well. And this book profiles Sherry, who basically had a bit of a life crisis when she left her 20-year stint at the Oprah Winfrey show, Harpo Studios, and the OWN Network. And it really just goes through the evolution of what happened when she stopped working for Oprah and had to find herself and had to um, not devote her life to work anymore, which she had done for so long. So that's the first book. It's called The Beautiful No. And then the other book is called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. And it's really cool. I heard her speak on a podcast. So It's all about examining our attitudes towards money, so how we earn it, spend it, and give it away. And it offers insights into our lives, so your life, uh, your values, and the essence of prosperity and what that says about you based on your values around money. So super interesting book. Again, that's called The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist. Um, I got both of these from the Toronto Public Library. So if you're in Toronto where I am, you could check those out and maybe get on the holds list to have them after I'm done. But if you have any book suggestions, I would love if you would just tag me on Instagram or send me a DM. I always love to know what's in your uh, library. Number two, uh, second update. So the Visionary Method Summer School actually starts tomorrow. So at the time of recording this, I'm actually just spending the evening getting prepped. My students are all going to be admitted into the private Facebook group tomorrow. And I'm just really honored and humbled that I get to work with so many incredible aspiring and startup health and wellness entrepreneurs who are ready to work hard for the next 90 days and learn the foundational systems and techniques and skills that are required to build and scale up an online business. So I truly did create this program because it's exactly what I needed to know when I first started my business and I couldn't find it anything like this. And that's why I'm so passionate about sharing the visionary method with people, because I know that it is life changing to have these tools all in one place and to have a community 
to support you as you go through this. And as we know, entrepreneurship is challenging. And I love connecting others who are on this journey and who can really benefit from support and accountability in groups. So if you missed this round of The Visionary Method, don't stress. You can head to kelseyridle.com slash waitlist and you can put yourself on the list for our next round. And before I tell you a little bit more about Juan, I just wanted to thank Healthy Planet for sponsoring this week's show. So it is hot and it is summery here today. And I'm actually just sipping on a LaCroix grapefruit sparkling water. And I am obsessed with it. And anyone who knows me knows I love bubble water. I consume so much out of the soda stream as well as the cans that I buy. love LaCroix because it's 100% natural. And it just is a nice companion as I'm editing podcasts or as I'm creating content for my students and my clients. And so I like to buy it from Healthy Planet Canada. And I'm super grateful to have them as a partner because they only stock the best health health food brands, the greatest products and supplements in the natural health food industry. And so what I love too is that you don't have to go to one of their stores, even though they have tons. You can actually shop online and have everything shipped to you. So you can head to healthyplanetcanada.com and you can shop by brand or shop by health concern or bestsellers, or you can even find your favorite professional lines right at Healthy Planet. All right, so let's learn a little bit more about Juan before we dive in. Through his message of impact and action, Juan uses storytelling, humor, and music to highlight a message of action, leadership, decision-making, and impact that resonates with every audience member. Juan brings a new energy to school campuses and conferences, and his passion for helping others excel is present on and off the stage. He had people in his life that gave him the confidence and direction to follow his passions and to make an impact. And he is on a mission to give that back through all of his talks. Juan currently lives in Toronto, Canada, and that's also where we recorded this week's episode of Visionary Life. So we are going to cover in our conversation how Juan landed his very first speaking gig. We're going to talk about the fine art of public speaking. I know so many of you are fearful of it, uh, and Juan definitely was as well, and it didn't always come naturally to him. We chat about why the $500 an hour speaker will never get hired for the $5,000 speech. That one's juicy. We also discuss how to build a $5,000 product, right? How do you value yourself that high? Juan explains the workings of his mastermind with three other friends. And we talk about why it's important to surround yourself with friends who challenge you. Among so many other things, I'm really excited for you to hear Juan's story. And if you like this episode, please take a second to rate and review it on iTunes. It really does mean a lot and it just helps to keep the show found by more people, right? And as you know, there are tons of podcasts out there these days. So really grateful that you choose Visionary Life to keep you company on your morning commute or on your walk with your dog or before you fall asleep. So wherever you're listening to this, I'm very grateful for you and I hope you enjoy the episode. So Juan, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm so excited to meet you for the first time after finding you on Instagram, actually. I'm always poking around on social media and I stumbled upon your profile and was instantly captivated and curious at what you do. So thank you so much for being on the show today. 100%. Happy to be here. So I always start our podcast with some rapid fire questions. I know you said you've been on a couple podcasts before, but I just want to get you warmed up, even though I know you are in the business of motivational speaking, but we'll just start with some easy ones. So first of all, where did you grow up? I grew up in Pickering, uh, just outside of Toronto. Awesome. And when did you move to Toronto? Moved to Toronto about a year ago in... Eight months ago. In oh, I didn't October. realize you were so new to the city. Yeah. What has been your experience? Have you liked living in a bigger I city? I love it. You love I it. I love it. I love I love the craziness of everyone just getting to work and and doing things. Everyone's constantly like doing mm-hmm. stuff in the city, which is awesome. Um, 
and I love just the vibe of of entrepreneurship and and like people really doing some bigger things in the city, mm-hmm. which I feel like I didn't get in the suburbs. Um, and now I feel like I'm, I'm really in it, which is awesome. I love it. I very much felt that way too. When I first moved to Toronto, it was so inspiring to watch people chasing their dreams and building things and, and creating their best life every day. And I grew up in Kitchener, so maybe about the same size as Pickering, but I know at first it felt a little bit challenging to like integrate into the hustle of the city, but as soon as I got used to it, I was like, I feel like this electric energy here. Mm-hmm. It's like when I when I wake up in the morning, a lot of times, <laughs> recently when I moved in the city, it'll be like six, seven in the morning, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I know there's people at the gym right now that are getting it, yep. and I know there's people working, and it's just kind of like, it's it's not it's not really a race, but it's almost like there's people that are that are moving towards the things that they want to move towards, mm-hmm. and I want to be on that same that same boat. Yeah, and like I want to be a part of that at least if it's a little piece. Definitely, I feel like I even started walking faster when I yeah, moved here. I was like, it's go <laughs> you time. Have to. You have to. <laughs> okay, next question: Is there a book or a TV show or a podcast that you're currently loving? That I'm currently loving TV show is designated survivor oh what's that it's about phenomenal it is about um it's it's filmed in toronto actually and it's about um basically the pres there's an attack on the white house and the designated survivor and this is a real thing where there's one person at the state of the union that gets put with like special detail and they're like hidden away in a room and in case if there's an attack that that person then becomes the designated survivor and they become and get sworn in as the president. So that wow. happens with Kiefer Sutherland and it's filmed in Toronto and it's phenomenal. Wow. So in terms of TV shows, that is my current favorite. Also Suits, mm-hmm. which is also filmed in Toronto. Probably my favorite show. Um in terms of podcasts, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, let's talk podcasts. I've been, I've been, I did 24 hours of driving in the past nine days Holy cow. to speeches. Um, and a mentor and colleague of mine recommended a podcast called Good One. And it's basically this comedian that interviews other comedians and they break down their most prolific jokes. So it's like he got Kevin Hart on and Kevin Hart was breaking down his opening joke that was seven minutes of his new special and breaking down the hits and the development of the joke and how it was workshopped and it's like phenomenal that's good one i forget who it is by i will get you the name after we're done here um so you can share that in the show notes very cool i will add that to my roster that one is phenomenal and then in terms of books i'm currently reading high performance habits by brendan burchard Mm -hmm. phenomenal really good book um getting into podcasts and stuff so i'm sort of switching over um, everything to like audiobooks and podcasts because mm-hmm. a lot of road time. Yeah, when you're on where the I go. can't be reading a book. Um, but yeah, those are my three in Ooh, those in those categories. Really good tips. I will link all of those in the show notes for Amazing. anyone listening who really wants to um, tap into one of those. Next question: When you feel stressed or overwhelmed, what do you do? Ooh, good question. Do you want the positive reaction and the negative reaction? Yeah, how, let's go with how you overcome it with a positive action. Okay, so the positive action, and I want to give you like both sides of the coin. What I used to do, I used to go to food, usually sugary food, yep, um, and go to like eat like cookies or like a snack just to like, oh, I deserve it, telling myself the story of I deserve mm-hmm. this. Um, now a lot of times I'll go to the gym is one, or I will do an activity that is completely separate. If there is a client that is like stressing me out or something that is coming up that is stressing me out or making me anxious, I will go to another activity within the business or outside of the business that is completely unrelated to that thing, which gets my mind clear of that thing and allows me to focus on something else. But going to the gym, going for a run, shutting down work for the day, hanging out with friends, doing something different as opposed to that specific action helps a lot in terms of of dealing with the stress. Mm -hmm. Really good tip. 
And you say you like going to the gym. So is that your favorite way to move your body and, and get exercise? Or? 100%. The gym is absolutely necessary for me every single day. I go between six and seven in the morning, an hour of weight training, resistance training, high intensity training every single day, um, six or seven days a week. And yeah, fitness has been a huge, huge part of my life. And it's like, it sets my day up like mm-hmm. anything else. Like when we're talking about morning rituals, that's the one thing that I believe is necessary in every single person, especially entrepreneurs morning period, mm-hmm. doing something to move your body. Okay. So could you paint the picture of how you got that very first gig? And I know you mentioned earlier in the interview that you kind of bombed it. So maybe walk us through that point in your life, because I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going, how do you get that first gig? Or how do you take that first step in order to land your very first uh, speaking gig? Yeah, 100%. So I was at a conference and I bumped into on the way to the bathroom, this guy, Blake and and I knew him and I recognized him from researching his stuff because he's one of the top guys in the industry. And I was like, are you Blake? He's like, yeah. I was like, can we go to coffee? He said, sure. So we went to Starbucks and we sort of sat down and he answered a bunch of questions and and he sort of gave me a bunch of tips and and things on starting, starting out in this industry. And after that meeting, because it went well and he became a mentor and a friend after that, I get an email from Blake while I was CC'd in on the email and it was Blake emailing the conference director of one of these conferences in, in Ontario, one of the largest conferences, student conferences in Ontario. And he's like, hey, Aaron, like the, um, the event director, it's like there's the speaker, he's new, up and coming, like big me up, like big time. It was like, I can see if he's available for your conference, like all of this stuff. And he got me, and I was super excited at the time. I'm like this kid that was just amped. And he got me the gig, and it was for like 25 students being one of the like concurrent workshop sessions at the conference. And I did it, and it just was terrible. What was like, terrible about it? What was to everything was terrible about it. But what was terrible was like I was telling stories that weren't mine. I was trying to be something that I wasn't. I was doing all of the things that I saw other people do, but the problem was that it wasn't me. And I think as a presenter, as a speaker, especially if you're looking to be a professional, and even if you're not, if you have a business, I'm a little biased, but I think speaking is one of the greatest ways to to grow and scale any business because people like you on stage, they will buy from you. Um, is authenticity. I think one of the most, I think the most important part is being authentically professional, having professionalism, but also being able to be authentic. And I just wasn't that. It was just awful. I was just trying to cover up all of these insecurities about speaking that I was telling all of these stories that were irrelevant to me. Um, I was uh, just a wall up, wasn't sharing anything of myself. Mm-hmm. And it was just overall like really really bad and it was like a reassessment point of like is this something you really should be doing and it like it was painful but I think it was a good type of painful because it was it kind of kicked me in the right direction of like you've got to like the the industry the speaking craft of speaking just like kicked just kicked me right in the face in that moment Mm -hmm. and it was either I could like I kind of learned to respect it after that point of like this isn't something that you kind of just do for fun on on the side like you got to really commit some serious time Mm -hmm. to to doing this and i'm really happy you shared that because i believe that as humans as business owners we are all going to encounter those painful failures in life and at that moment it really does have the ability to completely derail you and send you into a downward spiral and you say to yourself God, I really messed that up so bad. This must not be my path. But I think so often we forget to remind ourselves that when we try new things, you are putting yourself at risk to step into a light you've never stepped into before. And it's okay if it doesn't go super well. What you need to do is congratulate yourself for, first of all, taking that step to follow through on the gig and actually do it. And then assess 
do I think I could do this a little bit better next time? And if the answer is even the slightest bit yes, you get up and you do it again. But first, I wanna bring it back once again. You, you mentioned a nugget about asking this guy, Blake, to go to coffee with you. I find that that is such an important nugget to circle back on because again, as I mentioned to you before the show, there's a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and they're kind of sitting in this place of wanting to pursue a new path, but feeling very alone and isolated in terms of what do I do in order to get me from here to where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best things that we can do is ask someone who's already been there for a moment of their time, right? Because if he's done it, if he's already speaking on stages and you've seen this guy shine in his light, why not pick his brain a little bit to see if he can offer you a little bit of advice and fast track you to where you want to go? So it sounds like for you, that was actually a huge moment that set you on this path, was getting to know his journey and having him kind of share his wisdom. Is that right? A hundred percent. I think, you know, it turns the years into days. Because yeah. they'll, they'll have years and years of experience in the industry where it's like, I think I've, I've come to realize that it is, it is less, I find less value in, in hearing, like in a lot of times it's like, okay, tell me of your story about day one, from day one, and then we'll, we'll go through the story. And like we had spoken about that, that I kind of wanted to get away from that like origin story and get to the practical side of things of like what really worked. I think what I did really well in meeting with Blake and then meeting with a few other speakers in the industry of asking specific questions of cool, I like your story, that's awesome, but it is not going to be mine. Because I found like when so many, when you would listen to so many different stories, you would try and make all of these stories your own. And I see way too many young entrepreneurs that are in their 20s and 30s merge into, well, they hear this person's success story. They hear this person's success story and they try and follow the same story as opposed to using the same tactic. Mm -hmm. So I try and almost get away from the story because I know it's not going to be my story and get to the tactics, the practical things that I can deploy on and be like, okay, this is really good. This whole tour negotiation thing that you're talking about, that's really good. How do we make it a $5,000 speech experience as opposed to a $500 speech experience? That's really good. I'm going to use that. You know, so like getting more practical on the side of things of like, I want to know what actually, what actually worked well for you, what didn't work well for you, and how can, how can we merge those two worlds and make something that not only I can, like, I can get... I can add value to you and like maybe make make you see it in a different way because now when Blake and I have conversations, it's very much so of like, how is he growing his business and looking at it from a different perspective? And now we're just hashing things out um, just one-to-one. -one. So, but also looking at like the different tactics because I feel like it's so much of like, what do I want my story to be as opposed to what am I actually going to execute on? Definitely. And I think one of the best ways to get the tactics is to be a curious person. I think that in order to be a successful business owner, you need to have curiosity. You mm -hmm. should be sparking up conversations with people who are one or two steps ahead of you, maybe five steps ahead of or you, 10. 10 steps ahead of you, 20, whoever you can get access to. And you need to be asking them specific and strategic questions because that can transplant their experience into your mind in a rapid amount of time and, and that's invaluable. And I think people assume that that person is going to say no far too often. Like we think that the number two or the number five or the number one person in our in industry is going to say no and not care so then we don't reach out. Like when I reach out to Blake, like I wouldn't, if I saw him at the conference and I was like, oh, that's Blake, I shouldn't talk to him. I would have never had that conversation. If I didn't reach out to other top people in the industry, I wouldn't be best friends with a lot of the top people, one now being my roommate. And like the number one, the number one person in the speaking industry I'm now connected with and friends with because of the fact I reached out, tried to give as much 
value as possible mm -hmm. and expected nothing nothing in return at all. I just wanted to be a part of that 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 relationship because of the fact that I love the industry so much. Mm -hmm. Like not because I wanted something from them, but if you share that love for the industry, whatever industry you may be in, that top person is going to value that authenticity and that genuine caring over because the 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 higher somebody gets, the more transactional relationships start to seem. Mm -hmm. Where I have friends that have that have gotten very high status in their career and they'll tell me like this is it's tough because a lot of the relationships feel really transactional because their name comes with this brand that oh I feel like oh because you were featured on Forbes because you're verified because this because you have your own TV show because like all of those reasons are now sort of part of this package where people feel intimidated so they feel like they need to give you something and that you're going to give them something in return so it's like mm -hmm. bringing an authentic relationship to no matter who it is 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 just the surefire way it's Absolutely. for it to work now in my own experience in reaching out to mentors of mine or people who really inspire me in the business coaching industry I've reached out to a lot of them through Instagram. In your experience, how have you reached out to people who inspire you? And maybe this will inspire the listeners to actually follow those same steps and connect with people who could potentially coach them. Yeah, 100%. I've reached out, obviously, in person with Blake. Yeah. I've reached out another top guy in the industry through his website. I filled out a booking form and like we, I reached out and then we met. And then another friend, we just met at an event and I kind of like approached him and I was like, are you blank? And he was like, yeah. And then we just got to talking and had an authentic um, relationship. Another was via email, just like cold email saying like, hey, I love your I love your stuff. Yeah. Um, I was just having a conversation with X, who that person knows who X is. And we were just talking about how great blank is. And then that kind of like started the relationship. Yeah. Um, I think there is huge potential, and this is both for clients that you want to reach out to, but also mentors that you would like to be mentored by. Sending a personal video is one of the big, I've booked so many speeches off personal videos, not even mentioning that I like speaking at all. Just saying like, hey, Susan, um, I hope you're having a great week. I know this is a busy time of year for you. I know it's probably crazy, um, but I just want to say I hope you're having an amazing week, an amazing start to your year, an amazing start to your school year, and I look forward to speaking soon. The next email was literally, hey, thank you so much. This email literally made my week. By the way, are you still available for our winter conference? The next email is booked. Mm -hmm. So like that for the client front, but also for the mentor front, shooting a personal video to that person saying what you really enjoy about them and like showing that you care. I know it's from um, how to win friends and influence people, yeah. how it talks about like showing genuine interest in that person will allow you to either be mentored by them um, have them as a client, have them as a friend, something like that, but showing genuine interest in that person. Ooh, and yeah, what a good tip about the personalized video messages. I mean, we live in a day and age where nobody wants more texts, more boring emails. I am such a firm believer in the power of a video message. And I do the same when I have people who are thinking about working with me as a business coach, thinking about joining my group program. I love jumping on Instagram stories and sending them a private video that just mm -hmm. says, yeah, like I love following your journey. And if you have any questions about the program and it's incredible what the conversion rate is once I send them that private video message. And like you mentioned too, you have to honestly care about them. Like yeah. don't just do Can't this be because Can't Juan be and I are talking about this on the podcast. Yeah. You have to have good intention behind it, but it is such an incredible way to connect with people if you're not able to see them face to face. Yeah. 
And I'm sure, as you know, a lot of uh, your business probably comes from the follow-up. So don't assume that just because you sent one blind email that they're going to book you right away. Like it might take a few touch points and a video touch point, an audio touch point. Those are so invaluable. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really good takeaway. 100%. So from that first speaking gig that didn't go so well, how did you eventually transition into that second, that third? And what was the progression of your career path from there? Yeah, I think it was that first one, which was a huge reality check um, to gaining a deeper understanding and respect for the industry. And then kind of kept on going, got my second speech, did it at a uh, university for like eight students, then did another one for a, a another student, um, another student group, then did a um, rotary club at seven in the morning for 170 to 80 year olds. And it was like, I was in, I remember I was in the car and I like, I walk in, it was 7 a.m. I was still kind of groggy. And cause this was when I wasn't a morning person. And I like walk in and I couldn't find the event planner. And it was like all this, and this was free speeches. Like I was not paid for these. And I couldn't find the event planner and, and they were having breakfast. And then I found, finally found the event planner. And he was like, yeah, we're super excited. We're really, we're really looking forward to have you. And it was sort of a restaurant where I was going to be standing in the middle. So it was like a regular restaurant where I was just going to be standing in the middle. And I went into the bathroom and I was like, either I'm going to run out of here and never do the speaking thing again, or I'm just going to do it and just go for it. And I did it and just went for it and it went well. And it got some good feedback and it was the first little bit of like positive feedback. And I still like on my keychain, I know for those of you listening can't see, but this is the keychain that I got for speaking at that event, which is the rotary keychain here on my keys. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, But that's just like a reminder of like just the consistency. And then I did my first paid speech, it was 500 bucks at a high school for a mental wellness day. It was two groups of uh, so like 250 bucks a speech, um, two groups of like 80 or 90 students. Um, it was like, uh, I thought it was just pretty bad, but I got like good messages from students afterwards saying like, Hey, like after hearing this story blank, and that was the first little seedings of like, you're actually like, you're actually able to connect with students that a lot of people can't connect with. And then kept on doing it, kept on doing it, booked my first my some next speeches and they started going better and started working on the speech more and more and more working on the intro working on the clothes working on the messaging on the stories on the jokes because you would tell jokes that wouldn't work then you would say things people would laugh you didn't even know were jokes so like workshopping those and then just kind of kept that i would say the one thing was just consistency like i wasn't the most talented starting off, wasn't the most skilled, not the most naturally charismatic on stage, not the biggest performer on stage, but the one thing that I could would be everyone out of was consistency and taking feedback and adjusting and taking feedback and adjusting. And now the speech is in a phenomenal place, but that was after hundreds and hundreds of hours of sucking, of doing terrible speeches, of bombing presentations. I remember my first thousand student audience I bombed. It was awful. Um, was not prepared. And it was just, it was just terrible. Like I was relying on my slides. You couldn't see my slides um, because the lighting was off. The clicker didn't work. And it was just like, it was just terrible. Um, but I think the one thing was just consistency and learning and studying. And uh, there's, I forget what it's from, but it was there's a certain, with high performers, there's a certain level, and I think it's in high performance habits, um, there's a certain level of obsession that has to come with what you do. Like I was literally obsessed with every time I would get a laugh or like head nods or like or just a really good moment on stage, I was obsessed with recreating that yeah. and make and having it more and more frequent in the speech to the point where it's the entire speech now. It kind of like gives you that dopamine hit 100%. that is like, oh, did someone just laugh at my joke? Did they give me a, a positive head nod? Yeah. Wait, how can I get more of that? 
And then it's almost like you just want to keep feeding the fire because all of a sudden you're getting a thousand people who are laughing versus just that one person at the front of the audience. 100%. So I think it's really cool to hear you share that you started this whole thing unpaid. Like you weren't always getting thousand dollar gigs. Like it doesn't start that way. And it's such an important reminder for anybody who is on the cusp of starting their business or who's in that first year or still booking those first few clients or gigs. It's okay to not be making a lot of money in the early days. In fact, honor that process because you are building your toolbox and you're, you don't have it all together. And it's so important to gather that experience, build out your resume, and then put the higher ticket price on. So many people want to skip that step, but I'm sure you can say those unpaid gigs were so valuable in the early days. Yeah. And I like the, the thing is like, I, I'll still do some gigs for free. Now lead gen gigs, strictly lead gen gigs where it's student leaders at a conference and I'll go in and speak for free, but three or four students will bring me in to their school. So it, it makes sense. Those are guaranteed like, you know, seven to 10 K of bookings per, yeah. per conference. But I think at the beginning, when you're looking at like pre- my first year, I did $1,750 in speaking. Then the next year I did like 25 K and then, and then the next, and that was, that was a year and a half ago. And then now we're on track six figures wow. um, every year, but it, it doesn't just like happen like that. Like you're not just charging three to $4,000 for a speech right off the bat. You're just not charging three to $4,000 for a consultation client right off the bat. Mm -hmm. But there is a difference between having, there's, it's like the $500 speaker will never get hired for the $5,000 speech. The $500 consultant will never get hired for the $5,000 job. So having that mindset as well from the beginning of, yes, you have to build a $5,000 product, but also like if you stay priced at a certain place, like you're only priced at what you think you're worth. Mm -hmm. Like I know the speech going into a school is like a lot of people say like, how are you were, how are you going to charge $4,000 for an hour? Like that doesn't make sense to me. And it's like, it's not the hour, it's the hundreds of hours that have been put into that one speech that will bring a result that no one in the school can bring. Exactly. And There is such a massive difference between price and value. You bring $4,000 worth of value to that audience Mm -hmm. because if you impact 800 people in a one hour session, the value of that is pretty much limitless, right? Because if you're able to change that many lives or make a bunch of light bulb moments go off in people, there is no price on that it's deemed as a value that the the booking manager, whoever signs you, they believe that you're going to create a ripple effect through your one hour talk. Mm -hmm. And so for anyone listening who's thinking, well, what do I price my service-based business off of? It's, well, what do you value your own service at? Because there is a big difference between that price and the value that you can provide to someone's life. Yeah, and I think it's the also the result that you bring. Like yeah. if I have like I'll have students that just every speech I'll have a student saying like, hey, like after listening on DM on Instagram, yeah. like I'll you know after listening to your speech, I I went home and I came out to my parents, or like I was gonna do something I would have re- really regretted for the rest of my life, but I did it because mm-hmm. of you. Like what's that actually worth? Because I think that's worth a lot more than five hundred bucks. And like, once I realized that, then I could price at whatever I wanted and people were willing to pay it because that result isn't able to be brought by anything else. So if you're, if you're in a service-based business, if you're bringing consulting or coaching or anything like that, like what's keeping you from charging the $5,000 a month for a coaching client, which I have friends that, that charge that much and they're, because they're able to bring the result. Because if you're able to get someone if you're doing business coaching or if you're doing health coaching, like if you're able to bring someone to six figures, they don't mind taking just 5% off the top of that, 3% off the top of that. Or if you help someone lose 50 pounds, like what's their, what's, what's that 
new life worth to them. Yeah, probably a lot of money, yeah. right? Like they would pay infinite amount of money mm -hmm. for them to just feel better and feel the weight loss and 100%. like what that could bring to their life. So I think that's a really, really cool point. But it also takes a lot of mindset work on our part as business owners to think, gosh, like, do I really feel comfortable booking myself at $5,000? And that's where you need to upgrade your own personal development and, and continue to work with people who can, um, yeah, help you along with those mindset shifts. Mm -hmm. So on that note, through this process of starting to grow your business and book more speaking gigs, did you have a mentor who was kind of pulling you through this and showing you the ropes? Did you have anyone on your team at the time or were you just navigating this all on your own? I would say Blake, Blake was definitely a huge help, but when I would reach out, he wasn't like a direct mentor of like weekly check-ins that level. Um, but Blake was definitely a huge help with anything speaking related. I would say the number one thing that really made the difference was my mastermind, which are three other guys, three of my best friends, uh, one lives in Oregon, another one lives in Montreal, another lives in Miami. And we're, we've been in a mastermind for over two years. We meet every week on Google Hangout and we have quarterly trips and they would just, you know, you, you are the, the sum of the four, four or five people you surround yourself with. And with them, my friend Andrew in Montreal is in real estate, does unbelievably well. Um, my friend Taz is in Amazon, has an Amazon business, six to seven figure Amazon business. Um, my friend Matt in Oregon owns two jewelry stores, um, multiple real estate projects, does extremely, extremely well. And like that's the bar that was set in that group every week. So it was almost like I was required to level up. I was required to push where Matt would be like, why aren't you booking you know, a 5k gig, why aren't you booking this? Why aren't you booking that? And because he couldn't, their ignorance of the industry almost was a help because they weren't limited by the thinking of the student space. They were thinking of it from the real estate space, from the jewelry space, from the Amazon space, from completely different industries where they could give me perspectives that I would never have even gotten before without their help. So mm -hmm. I think that was the number one yes. real like mentorship support system that I had. Yeah. And on that note too, masterminds are blowing up right now. Everyone's talking about them. Everyone wants to be part of one. How did you find these three guys? Where did they come from? Were they just like dropped into your lap? Were they friends from childhood? Explain that. A yeah. So bit. I met, I met Andrew at an event and he was, his dad was good friends. We had brought him into an event in Toronto to come speak and we became friends and he was friends with this guy, Taz, who I became friends with from this other conference. And then Taz knew Matt. So Taz and Drew were in a mastermind and then they came to me and they were like, hey, do you wanna be a part of this thing? I had experience in masterminds that I did not like because we didn't get anything done. And it was like, you have to be super careful of who you're in a mastermind with because if you're not with people that are you're not only friends with but are have the have the brutal honesty to be able to push you then it's not going to work if it's just strictly business and you're not friends it's not going to be long term if you aren't friends or if you are friends and there's no business you're not going to get anything done so you need both sides of it so then drew came to me and he was like hey we're starting this mastermind thing i was like i don't know about it and we got on one call, he's like with this guy, Matt. And then we get on this call. And from there, we just vibed. We had our first trip in Boston and it just went unbelievably well. And we just like meshed. And because we're in such different industries, we're, but we're so similar and such close friends that it just, it just worked out. Yeah. And I love that you have like a monthly hangout, but then you also make a point to get together in person. When you get together on these monthly calls, is there an agenda or are you just like jamming on your wins and your challenges? I think people are curious. What do you talk about? Yeah, weekly. We weekly? meet weekly Whoa, every okay. every Tuesday awesome. from 8.30 to 9.30. We have a, uh, a spreadsheet that has our weekly goals, our monthly goals, our quarterly goals, yearly, two-year, five-year ultimate vision. 
Um, and each of those are broken into the different areas of life. Primarily, we deal with relationships, business, and um, relationships, business, and health. Those are the three that that we deal with. And every week, we have to have our goals inputted by Sunday, or else we get fined. Um, that fine goes into a pool. It doubles every week, and and it renews every quarter. Um, and those fines go towards funding trips and things that we do. So like in Miami, we were just in Miami three weeks ago, we rented like a 40, 40 foot yacht um, and all that money came from all the fines. So you're fined $50, next week you don't do it, it's 100, then it's 200, then it's 400 and so on. Um, and when we get on the call, we do three things you're grateful for. Um, and then we go into how was your week, what went well, what was challenging, um, and what we are looking to do, create, or become this coming week. What, what are our goals moving forward? What does our week look like? And then we go in just the four of us. We usually take like an hour, an hour and a half each week. And then um, on our actual trips, we do a deep dive of each person's business, relationships, and health. It takes about two and a half, three hours per person. Over a weekend, we'll do like two a day and then do excursions like around the deep dives. Very cool. Yeah. Do you know where, so the two guys who started the mastermind, where did they learn these skills and techniques? Cause I've heard, and I've been part of many masterminds, but I really love the structure that you approach this with. Yeah, well, we well when we started, we had no structure. Okay. We sort of built it from the ground up. I remember gratitude was Taz's idea. Um, Taz created this like spreadsheet. I thought we would, should have like a snapshot of not only weekly, but like monthly, quarterly. So we built that all out. And then um, I really thought it would be valuable if we did a deep dive on our trips. So we developed the deep dives. Um, and then the weekly calls just, just made sense. Um, and our flow of like, sometimes we'll talk more about relationships or health. And like, we are very primarily on business. So I made it at a point to make it more holistic and talk about relationships and talk about health. Cause I know Matt needs a little bit more of a push on health. And I know Taz is good in that cause he crushes everything to do with health. Um, but so we all have places where we need a little bit of a push. Um, but looking at all the areas was so important to be able to not only do well in business, but well in life. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this so much. I could talk to you about this all day, but we'll save that for another conversation. I think the tip there is, yeah, if, if a mastermind has been on your mind, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, start curating maybe a list of dream people in your mastermind. Start scoping out what's out there because I really do believe that so much can be accomplished when we build a tribe around us and we go there together. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love hearing you talk about this mastermind. And I think that's probably such a powerful reason why you are here today. And so let's fast forward a little bit. What does your business look like today? I'd love for you to paint a picture to everyone tuning in what it is that your services are, what a day in the life looks like, and yeah, just give us the rundown of what keeps you busy. 100%. So primarily my business right now is speaking to high school and university students, as well as parents and educators. Anyone that really affects the education space from high school up, um, I do work with. So primarily it'll be student assemblies, student leadership conferences, um, staff PD workshops, staff training, parent nights, um, different things like that. So a day in the life, I'll give you a week in the life, uh, which is this week where I have Monday and Tuesday, which are like admin days. So I'll be responding to emails. I just spoke, um, did six educator trainings up in Muskoka. Um, so a lot of those teachers want to bring me into their schools. So I'm doing a lot of that like email admin and, and connecting with them. Um, and I'm setting up for the tour in Edmonton, um, which is coming up on Wednesday. So I take a flight from Toronto on Wednesday morning. I land in Edmonton at 10 a.m. I take a rental car. This is exactly what the speaking world looks like. I rent a car from the airport. I take that rental car. I do my best and charm them to get a car upgrade, which usually works. And I take that rental car to the hotel. I get an early check-in, I check into the hotel, 
I call the event planner. I confirm that I'm in the location, I'm in the area, I'm ready to rock. I have a parent night that evening, a parent speech from 6.30 to 7.30. Um, the next day, I am, oh, and I'm also going to a CrossFit class because my friend has a CrossFit gym that they own in Edmonton. So I'm going yeah, to a CrossFit class at yes. 4 p.m. before the speech. The next morning, I do a student assembly for all of the students in the community. So from all the high schools in the community are coming together. And I'm doing a student speech that starts at 10.30 a.m. I will arrive at the school at 9 to do a sound check, get the PowerPoint ready, get my mixer, just everything all sorted. Um, start the presentation at 10.30 and at 11.30, probably talk to students until like 12 around there, take a little bit of a break. Then I have a educator training where they're bringing in all the teachers from all of the schools together to do a teacher training at 1 p.m. And that will end at 2 p.m. I'll probably stay hanging out until like 2.30. Then I am going to drive to the hotel, chill a bit, do go back to the CrossFit gym, my friend's CrossFit gym, do a workout, um, hang out for the night, and then I fly back Friday morning. All right. That's busy. So that is, that is, and then <laughs> so that's I have. That's a typical week in the life, would you say? That's a typical, well, a lot of the stuff that I had this past week was in, was local. So just a lot of driving were like a typical day in the life of a speech is like, I'll wake up in the morning, I'll go to the gym, come up, shower, make a coffee, grab some water, hydrate a ton, yes. um, get in the car, drive to the speech, set, get there an hour before, set up, speak, do either one or two or three presentations, go home. I will usually shower, make some food, after post-speech, I really won't get into any crazy work. I'll just like throw on Netflix and chill. And then I'll respond to DMs. Because usually when I go to school, it's usually like a few hundred DMs that I have to respond to. Um, and I respond to every single one that is not like a meme or something like creepy. Um, but I'll respond to every single one. So I'll spend that time responding and posting on Instagram our selfie that we took. And then I go to bed. Very cool. Now, I would love to know, because obviously, as you mentioned, there's a lot of admin work that goes into being able to show up on stage and have it all together. Are you still doing all this work yourself or have you had to hire out certain aspects? I think I saw on your website that you have kind of like a booking manager. Mm -hmm. Could you just explain who you have kind of supporting your vision? Yeah, I have Scott. Uh, he's my booking guy. He handles all like booking inquiries, logistics, contracts, um, invoices, all of that sort of stuff. So I can focus more so on like the content side of things and like preparing the speech with with clients now, since they're getting to become become bigger clients in terms of the, they're just like higher scale clients, I still do some interaction with them prior to the speech, um, just because I want to have that connection with them. So I'll have a pre-call with them. I'll like shoot them a personal video saying super excited for the event type thing. And I'll just like iron out some details as well so they feel like I'm part of the process. Um, because I find a lot of event planners enjoy that, um, that like I kind like I'm a little invested as well. But Scott does most of like the admin stuff, and I'll just like just look at my calendar and, and whatnot and, and see where I need to be and where I need to drive to and and all that sort of stuff. I'm also working with a organization called Count Me In, um, so they're handling I think 15 of my 2019-2020 speeches um, that they're doing all of the booking for. Um, so they're booking like the travel, the hotel, um, the like the speech logistics, like all of that sort of stuff. And then they just send me like the date and the school and what the messaging is and all that sort of stuff. So between those two, we keep we keep pretty, yeah, pretty solid. And so as you continue to dream big and think about how you can grow and evolve this business, what is your plan for the next five or 10 years? Is there anything kind of on your, your mind that you think you would love to have accomplished? Five or 10 years. Yeah, we're long, going big that here. That is a long play. All right. So five to 10 years. Um, I'm definitely in the next one to two years looking to potentially sign with a bureau um, I've been doing 
bureau research to see which one I'm most aligned with. Um, what is that exactly? Which a speaker bureau, which will handle all of your booking stuff. So when you sign with a bureau, they'll take 20 to 30% of all of your bookings, all of your like fees, and but they'll handle the entire backend. So when someone submits an inquiry on your website, it goes straight to them. They book you, they all do that sort of, they do all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm looking to look more into that over the next one to two years. I like when, when the bigger, when the bigger gigs come in, I like to sort of manage those interactions myself right now. Um, but I'll definitely be looking at being with a bureau in the next five to 10 years, I'll most likely be in the student industry, but also doing other things as well. Like I'm looking in the next three to five years to getting into speaking consulting, oh, very cool. into training people, entrepreneurs, creatives, actor, like any, anyone across the board, how to effectively speak. Um, because I feel like everyone and their grandmother, and I'm sure you experience this in the coaching space as well. Everyone is a speaker, like everyone is a coach, but not everyone is trained to the level of where you can have a significant impact. So in the next three to five years, definitely going to be doing some speaking, consulting, building an online course, having a few day conference, just specifically about speaking. Um, Ooh, and training, I'm signing up for that. And 100%. training people on how to effectively communicate on video, on stage, just everywhere. Like mm-hmm. how to effectively speak. And then five to 10 years, it would be building programs and courses, a lot of stuff online, still doing bigger keynotes um, and having programs for students that are easily accessible that I'm building over the next few months, actually, um, that are running where they can access from wherever they are. And also working with parents, educators, helping them connect with their students and helping people in general connect with audiences, with individuals one-on-one. Because I feel like the more the more technology we build, the less connected we become. And people are becoming desensitized to being able to have real communication and make eye contact and it freaks people out. Like I work with so many high school students and university students even where it's like eye contact freaks them out and we're becoming dehumanized almost. So I feel like that's gonna go hand in hand with the speaker training that I'm wanting to do um, because I think it's just so important and it's like we're losing that slowly but surely as we build more tech. I love that. It's so awesome to hear you paint a picture of all these different goals and ambitions that you have coming up. And I always coach my clients and students that they should have some sort of signature workshop or talk that they can host in the event that they get the opportunity to grow their business through speaking gigs. And so I would love to know from you before we wrap this up, what are some tips for someone who is in the early stages of speaking and maybe hosting mini workshops to share their product or service? Could you offer any tips on what can go into creating an effective speech or workshop or talk for your audience? Yeah. So this is, this is like my bread and butter. I love this stuff. Um, (laughs) We need another hour. (laughs) Right. Um, I want to, I'll start with information without emotion is not retained. Information without emotion is not retained. So a lot of times people will just spew out information to an audience and they don't retain any of it. We realize that when you get information, you only retain 8% after the first week. So we retain up to 85% if we have emotion attached to it. So it's like, how do we attach more emotion? Emotion is created through stories. So if you're building a presentation, if you're building a workshop, a keynote, you were hired to speak, you need to build in stories, ideally stories that are of of you, like your own personal stories. Those are the ones where, because if I'm telling a story about my first crush, which I tell in my speech, but my first crush, the audience is immediately thinking of their first crush. They're immediately put in to the story. That's how you grab your audience and put them into your own story by telling something that is specific to you, but universal to the audience. So so thinking of things that are universally specific, universal to the audience, but specific to you. That will get people to like you 
and that will get them to listen to you and also connect to what you're saying. So I think that's the first piece of like sharing stories so it will connect emotion to the information that you share. The basic structure of any speech is like really powerful, funny, emotional, great story, and then a message, and then a story, and then a message. So I tell this story, like I'll give you an example. I tell this story about, um, what story can we use as an example? Of my first gig DJing. And I tell the story and I was DJing at this gig in San Diego and it was 400 people and out of nowhere the music just stops. Like out of nowhere. And like I'm like in this whole story and basically what had happened was when I was jumping up and down, the cord of my headphones came down and hit pause. And I'm telling this story and it's super dramatic and it's my best friend Marshall on stage with me and I'm like telling like this whole thing as if Marshall was really there. And once I get them hooked in the story, the point of that story is I, the reason I tell that story is because of how many times do we hit pause, make a mistake on our grades, on a relationship, because I was blaming Marshall, I was blaming the mixer, I was blaming the speakers. How many times do we blame external circumstances that are outside of our control when really you were the cause? Now, how many people, and then I go into the message. Mm -hmm. So like you always want to relate your story to a message. That is the number one thing you do. And... I would say another huge piece would be to a mentor of mine, I forget in what, in what workshop or training this was, but I remember he was talking about, you want to take off, if you're looking at a speech or at a presentation, you want to look at it and see if you can take off the per first paragraph and see if it'll still make sense. So like taking out the fluff and just getting like right down to the core of what, of what it is. Um, so you're really cutting out all the fillers, the ums, the ahs, the ands, like all of that stuff that doesn't need to be there. The accessory words, take out everything that's an accessory and only leave what's a necessity. Um, and the last piece I would say is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Everyone has seen the speaker that you see and it's like, I don't, like, he does not care about me. He cares about his own story. He cares or she cares about her product. And it's all about them, about them, about them, about them. You want to have a good balance between talking about yourself, talking about people in general, and talking about your audience. So you telling a story, I was at the park. This is an example. I was at the park. You know when people haven't experienced that so you make that universal. Have you ever had a time where? So those three examples where you're using yourself, you're using the world as a whole, and then you're using them. It's called a bounce. When you throw it onto your audience, you're bouncing it onto them. Have you ever had a time where? When I say that sentence, you're immediately thinking of when you had a time where blank. Have you, have you ever had a time where you've just felt really alone? Or have you ever felt like you've been trying everything you can, but it's never enough? Of course. Yeah, all of a sudden of my course. ears perk up and I'm like, oh. Everyone's like, yeah, yes. I have had that moment. Yeah. What's your point? Yeah. Well, my experience with that was when I was 15. And then you go into your story. It's like, huh, okay, yeah. let's hear it. And then at the end, you know what? A lot of people have a moment where they feel like blank. And it's like, oh yeah, I kind of fall into that category that's kind of me so what are you and then the message goes into them so having the three layers mm -hmm. of that is so so important in building a powerful speech mm. well i cannot wait for you to just package all of this up into some sort of online course or workshop i'm sure anyone listening to this episode wants to hear more of your tips at some point but i know that we are short on time and so in efforts to wrap this up and bring it full circle for the listener, if there's someone listening who is actually very much yearning to get into more speaking or to create a workshop that's going to put them um, in the public eye, what is one small piece of advice that you could get them to take action on today that would get them one step closer to that dream? Send 50 emails. Love it. Send 50 emails to rotary clubs to school groups to 
Um, meetups is a huge one. To anyone that will hear you speak, send 50, if you're really serious about doing it, send 50 emails before you go to bed tonight. If it's 10.30 p.m., too bad. Send 50 emails before you go to bed tonight. That is what is actually going because 47 of them will probably say no. Yeah. That's the truth. 47 will most likely say no, but that's okay because you're going to get three. That's going to be invaluable experience. That's going to move the needle forward to get you to where you want to be. And such a crucial skill just to be able to pitch yourself, right? And to be able to weather the rejection. Yes. Because the amount of I had, and this is the last little story I'll share. I had one day, and this was like a few months back. I had, I was sending out some emails and I got five rejection emails just back to back to back. And the first one didn't really bother me. I was like, ah, whatever. The second one, I was like, oh, that's, that sucks, whatever. The third one, I was like, really? I can't catch a break. The fourth one was really like what pierced the armor. And then the fifth one was just the tipping point. And I took, I had to take a moment. I literally closed my laptop and I was like, what is going on? Like, what is actually happening and I had to ask myself, like, what's really true? Like, what's true? It's like, what's true is that this isn't a sign. This is just a coincidence. This, 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 this. What's true is blank. What's true is you have these gigs booked. What's true is you're really good at what you do. What's true? And I just went on this rant, but I was in this place for like half hour of just feeling like crap about these rejections and like over and over and over. And I still, I'll still get emails where where people will be like, sorry, we went with someone else or sorry, we're not having a speaker. And now it's like, ah, it's totally okay. I'm deeply like, I'm deeply sorry you're not, that the students aren't gonna have the opportunity to, to hear it, but that's totally okay. Cause yeah. at some point we're gonna, we're gonna be able to make it work with that school. Mm-hmm. And I just pray that they get something to be able to positively impact those students. But mm-hmm. I think the 50 emails will A, get you your first few gigs, but B, build the muscle of resiliency of being able to handle a rejection email that says, who are you? Do you have a video of you speaking? Why would I hire you? That's ridiculous. Where did you find my email? Can you please not email me ever again? I've gotten it all, everything. And I'm just so happy you mentioned the word resilience because that is something that I am so passionate about educating that we, we need to build up that resilience muscle, especially in the early days of entrepreneurship, because a lot of the time things don't go as planned and you get a never, lot of rejection. They never do. Never do. And if you can just really work on your resilience, you will succeed. It just takes a little bit of patience. So Juan, thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey on the show. I know it is going to inspire so many of our listeners, if people want to find out more about you, where to find you online, where can they learn more? I think the two places um, where I hang out the most are on juanbandana.com, uh, which is J-U-A-N-B-E as in Edward, N-D as in dog, A-N-A.com. That is my website. That's where you can kind of look at a little bit of more what I do. If you want to see the brand of a speaking website, go check it out. You can copy it, feel free. I, I feel absolutely no ways. Um, if you'd like to model it, it converts pretty well. Um, so if that's something you're looking to get into. And also Instagram, if you have a question, if there is anything that you would like to hash out, shoot me a message just like Kelsey did on Instagram. That is Juan, J-U-A-N, Bandana, B-E-N-D-A-N-A on I-G. Amazing. Thank you so much and good luck with the travels this week and all the best in the future, Juan. 100%. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Visionary Life. Did you learn something new or are you inspired to take action on a new project? If so, please get in touch with me on Instagram at Kelsey Rydell or in our secret Facebook community. Just search Visionary Life by Kelsey Rydell on Facebook. Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It helps us share the stories of visionary entrepreneurs with more and more people. If you're interested in working with me, just head to KelseyRidle.com. And if you've been thinking about joining my 90-day business coaching program, please reach out and book a free 15-minute call and I'd love to chat with you.